What's up, guys? We are now in week two, day eight. Today, we're going to be covering Genesis 22 through 24. And Dustin, we've officially made it a week. So let's continue in faithfulness and dive into chapter 22. I'll read the first verse. Now, it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. So we have to stop here because, bro, we have some very significant things mentioned here. It says God tested Abraham. And that's what we've been saying all of Genesis from 12 when we meet him to 22. It's been a series of tests. And if you want to use technical terminology, this is inclusio. And what's happening here, he's had tests. We've talked about it over and over. He's failed some. He's passed some. He fails some. He makes a sacrifice. He goes to Egypt. He fails the land test with the famine. He comes back. He fails the seed test. He doubts. He's old. He goes into Hagar. But he passed a lot of tests. But what is this? 22 is his final exam. And so we're looking at his final exam and we'll talk through that. But a few things I have to mention because they are very important. One is this place called Moriah. We have to note this because guess what Moriah is? Moriah is the place where Solomon builds the temple. What this tells us is this place where a sacrifice doesn't happen becomes a place where all sacrifices happen. Now, I'm going to take this a step further. When Jesus died, we know the place is Gagatha from the New Testament. Most scholars pin Gagatha very close to Mount Moriah, like you can see it. And so there's a debate around this. So I'm not going to beat that drum too hard. But think about all that's going on here. This sacrifice, the temple and the sacrifice of Christ. That's very compelling and very interesting and very powerful to me. And it strengthens my faith a lot to see how God is moving here. This is very important. Let's pick up in verse five. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship. Listen to this and return to you. Who will return to you? We will. Abraham took the wood on the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Something's going on here. Even in the Hebrew, you see the emphasis, but Abraham is certain that he will return with his son. You know what that tells me? Even in this exam, a lot of us know what happens in this test. This is a very famous passage. We'll give away the cards. We know he passed this test, but what's going on in his head? Because he gets the command to kill his son. So in his head, he doesn't know that God is going to provide a ram in the bush, right? So what is he thinking? You know what I think he's thinking, bro? What's that? I think he thinks, after I do this, God is going to raise my son from the dead. You know why? I think we got a little help in Hebrews 11, don't you think? No, absolutely. How, how does it word it? It says in Hebrews uh, 11, chapter verse 19, it said he considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Bro, Abraham believed that Isaac would be raised from the dead. He knew 
God will provide. He knew the faithfulness of God. Abraham is growing in faith because he is the father of faith. This is beautiful in chapter 22. And so we know the rest of the story. What, what happens when he goes to kill his son? What does God do? He provides. He provides. He tells him, stop. He tells him, no. And what happens there? God says, look, I'm going to stay your hand, but I will not stay mine. I will drive the dagger in my son and save humanity and bring my people back to rest. The rest you were looking for wasn't in Noah. It's in Christ, the true Messiah, Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. And so we finally find our Noah in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And God shows this through this example with Abraham. Let's move to chapter 20. Chapter 23 is an interesting chapter. This is the chapter where Sarah dies and Abraham finds a burial plot, a burial place for Sarah. So he mourns her death. And, and he says in verse four, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. What's beautiful here is he's still a man of faith. He doesn't own a piece of land yet. We saw Abimelech coming to him in chapter 21 to get water rights, but he doesn't own any land, but he's a rich man. He's wealthy and he can buy it. So he's trying to buy land here, but it's weird. It's like this in club. It's like this good old boys club and they won't let him in. And he's trying to buy land. And let's hop down to verse 16. It says, Look at how much they try to charge him for land. You won't pick this up until you try to convert it into our currency. So it says, he says, you can get this burial plot, just this small area of land for 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. Guess how much money that is just for a burial plot? No clue. 10 to $20 million. It's a ripoff. It's a ripoff. But Abraham is rich. He's a man of faith and he's putting his money where his mouth is. He says, look, I know God is going to give me this land. I'm going to buy this burial plot. And so he buys that and we get this is how historical Genesis is. We get a title deed in the Bible. Look at verse 17. It says, which were the fields that were within all the confines of its borders were deeded over to Abraham for possession in the presence of the son of Heth, before all who went in the gate of his city. So you have the parameters there. Abraham got. This helps us to understand that Genesis is a historical document. And the chapter ends by saying, so the field, this is verse 20, and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for the burial site. And so he gets a burial site. He puts his money down. This man is a man of faith now. And we move into 24. And this is the last chapter we'll cover for today. It says, now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham in covenant. Verse three, he talks to his servant and he tells him, watch this. Watch how he's developed. Please place your hand under my thigh. And I will make you swear to the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among who I live. Why did he say that? Genesis 3.15. 
Don't intermingle. Make sure the seed continues. Don't marry the Canaanites. And we're going to see this. This is going to come back up later. So you got to promise me. God promised me a seed. Do not let my son marry in the Canaanites. Look at part two in verse five. It says, the servant said to him, suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Watch this. Then Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. Boom. Seed, land. What do we have in Abraham? Man, this man is fully developed. He's passing every test. Do not take my son back there. So don't leave the country and don't marry a Canaanite. And so the servant is going out to find a wife for Isaac. And he's trusting the Lord. He asked the Lord, please grant me success. And this is what he says. He says, verse 10, then the servant took 10 camels from the camel of his master and set out with a variety of good things of his masters in hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia. And look at verse 12. He says, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, may it be that the girl whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may drink. And who answers, drink, I will water your camels also. May it be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown loving kindness to my master. What is the servant doing? Now, he's throwing up a Hail Mary. <laughs> he's trusting God to say, look, I don't know how to accomplish this, but I do know that you are the most high God. I've seen you work through Abraham. I put my hand under his thigh to swear that I would accomplish what he said. And he, he does this. I want to tell you why this is significant. It's significant because how many ca camels did he take? He took 10 camels, right? This is how you know. This isn't just a random act of rolling the dice. You know how much water camels drink? One camel can drink two to three gallons of water. That's 30 gallons of water, 20 to 30 gallons of water for all of his camels. Can you think about this? So if I'm bringing 10 camels and I got a lady coming back and forth, just bringing pots and, and buckets for each of my camels, over and over. So this isn't just one act where I just see something like you pray to, to God, if it's your will, please let what I'm thinking about be in the clouds or please let this car drive down the interstate. If this is your will, this isn't net flimsy stuff. This is clear providence from God and he executes. And guess who shows up in Genesis 24? Rebecca. She shows up. And she's running. Look at verse 20. So she quickly emptied her jar in the trough and ran back to the well to draw. And she drew for his camels. So Rebecca, bro, is a track star. She's a runner. She's getting two to three gallons per camel. This is about 20, 25, 30 gallons. And he's just seeing this happen before his eyes. So imagine you praying that prayer and you just see this woman back and forth a hundred times is going back and forth what would you say man she got a lot going on <laughs> <laughs> man i'll tell you what you'll say you'll say 
Wow, that's the providence of God. God is answering my prayer before me because he gets to see this over the course of a big period of time. It isn't just a quick act. This takes a long time to do. We have his prayer being answered and Isaac gets his wife. And it says that we end here. He goes to her father, Laban, and Laban gives her permission to go. In verse 42, it says, so I came today to a spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now my journey will go successful, behold, I am standing by the spring, and may it be that the maiden who comes out to draw, to whom I say, please let me drink a little water from your jar, and she will say to me, I will draw from your camels also, let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master. So he recaps to Laban what happens to get permission to get Rebecca to go back with him. And it works. And I bowed low and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master. And when Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the ground before the Lord. In verse 55, but her brothers and mothers said, let the girl stay with us a few days say 10 afterwards she may go he said to them do not delay me since the lord has prospered my way send me away that i may go to my master and they said we will call the girl and consult her wishes and they called rebecca and said to her will you go with this man and she said i will go and so at the end of this chapter isaac marries rebecca when the servant and Rebecca are coming home, Isaac was out meditating. It says that in verse 63, Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward the evening and he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, camels were coming. In verse 65, this is powerful. Look at how this chapter ends. It says, she said to the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, look at what he says, bro. He is my master. What just happened? transfer of the seed. Abraham is no longer my master. That's my master right there. Isaac, we get it winnowing down. We're moving one step closer to our Christ, bro. We're getting there. Man. Hang on, hang tight. We'll get there soon. That's my master. In verse 67, then Isaac brought her to his mother, Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Powerful. Change of leadership, kingship, and the seed is furthered. What you got to say about that, bro? Give me some practical application. Man, just the same. You might same, bring it home, same guy. Same as we've been talking about through Genesis is God's character. He's faithful. He says he's going to do something and he does it. He says that, that he's going to make Abraham have as many descendants as the seashore. And I believe he's going to do it. Man, that's good. But I do have to say one thing, bro. Don't come to uh, church talking about you as God to bring you a new car by looking. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we, we know that God takes care of us. He's more concerned with our heart and our character than he is what kind of vehicle we drive. No, nah, that's good, man. We live in a new time era where we don't move like they did in the Old Testament. So if you, my bro, came to me saying... Hey, Theo, I've been trusting God for something, and he's going to put it in the cloud for me today. We're going to have some problems, bro. Yeah, I've never heard that. 
<laughs> put it in the cloud. This it's interesting. Yeah. So you gonna make it rain? Make it rain, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. That's our episode for today. Next time we'll pick up day nine, starting in chapter twenty-five. <laughs>